So what is Dungeons & Dragons? You've probably asked someone this question and probably also got the answer, oh, it's a role-playing game. Well, you're not going to get any vague answers like that in this video. We're going to go over everything you need to know about Dungeons & Dragons, as well as everything you need to get started. In order to explain what D&D is, I think I'll have to start with its history. So, going back to the 1970s, there weren't any games like Magic the Gathering. There weren't any personal computers, so anything like MMOs were out. And there wasn't anything like YouTube or Twitch to help keep you entertained. So, people were... pretty bored. Of course, you could play board games with your friends in order to stave off this terrible boredom, but board games at the time were, in a word, simple. One thing people did to entertain themselves was play war games. War games were a little bit like board games, except they were typically played on paper or plastic maps as opposed to cardboard boards. They also used painted miniatures, and this was part of the appeal, the fact that you could garner a bunch of miniatures and paint and customize them over time. These games had very sophisticated rules and often required a referee in order to interpret them. Players would take turns serving as a referee, or someone that enjoyed the role would take on the responsibility entirely. Games often took more than one play session in order to complete, and as a result, the term campaign came about in order to describe a series of games as a whole. In most war games, people took on the role of a faction in some sort of major historical war, namely World War II or the American Civil War. However, there were some games out there that took place in a medieval fantasy or sci-fi setting. For example, in Gary Gygax and Jeff Perrin's Chainmail, players took on the role of medieval troops as opposed to modern ones. The rulebook included things like how to handle jousts, catapults, and primitive gunpowder weapons. It also came with a fantasy supplement that allowed players to use troops that resembled their favorite characters from Lord of the Rings, such as hobbits, sprites, orcs, and other fantasy creatures. Now, this turned out to not exactly be the most legal thing in the world, but this did ultimately shape what D&D would become. In 1974, Gygax and Dave Arneson released a new fantasy war game that was unlike anything that had been seen before. Instead of taking on the role of an army, players were asked to take on the role of a single character, a very vulnerable character at that. And instead of players competing with one another, they actually had to work together in order to battle through a map that was created by the referee. This map was called a dungeon, and the dungeons were filled with traps, monsters, and, yes, of course, treasure. As players defeated monsters and acquired more treasure, they would get experience points. And after so many experience points, you would get experience levels and become more powerful as a character. The monsters in the dungeon were controlled by the referee. However, the referee wasn't exactly trying to beat the players, so much as just provide a challenge for them that they could have fun overcoming. Gygax and Perrin called their company Tactical Rules System Incorporated. They called their first rulebook for this new game Dungeons & Dragons Volume 1, Men and Magic. And from then on, the game was known as Dungeons & Dragons. In the years following the release of Dungeons & Dragons, players started experimenting with different ways to play the game. Some campaigns dispensed with maps and miniatures altogether. Instead, having the player and characters comb through a dungeon map, the referee who would eventually be known as the Dungeon Master, would simply describe what the characters were seeing and hearing. The Dungeon Master would then ask players what actions they would like to take in response to what had just happened. Depending on how players responded, the DM would explain what happened as a result of their actions, based on ideas they had thought of beforehand. Players were also encouraged to take on the roles of their characters, to act in a way their characters would in given situations. This brought elements of interactive storytelling into the game. In many campaigns, maps were still used in combat, and in other situations where actually seeing the map would add to the experience or would just be helpful. 
But there are also times where players would simply ad-lib their character's dialogue and role-play without using the map. As a result, Dungeons & Dragons would become known as a role-playing game. In later editions of D&D rulebooks, role-playing was described as an essential part of the game. There were also new rules added in order to handle non-combat situations, such as when you want to persuade an NPC to give you information, or if you want to tell if someone's lying to you. In the 1980s and 90s, the popularity of role-playing games absolutely exploded. You could find copies of the D&D rulebooks at just about any bookstore, as well as games like GURPS, Marvel Super Heroes RPG, Vampire the Masquerade, Robotech RPG, and so many others. In the early 1990s, Magic the Gathering was released as the world's first collectible trading card game. It was published by Wizards of the Coast, and it maintained a fantasy setting that probably would have appealed to people that would have otherwise just played Dungeons & Dragons. In addition, computers started becoming more widespread because of the World Wide Web. Gamers started focusing more on computer games and collectible trading card games as opposed to role-playing games. And soon, as a result, sales for D&D books started to decline heavily. In an effort to make D&D more popular, Wizards of the Coast published the new edition of the core rulebooks. Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition eliminated many of the non-combat rules in order to make the game simpler, shall we say. This did increase its popularity somewhat, but it also alienated many players who had been playing for years. As a result, the player base sort of fractured after this moment. Some players embraced the new 4th edition rules, and others continued to play 3rd edition or went back to older versions. I myself fall into the latter category. In 2014, Wizards of the Coast tried to revitalize interest in D&D yet again, this time with a bit more success. The new 5th edition rulebook brought back many of the non-combat mechanics from earlier editions, made character classes more distinct, and reduced the power of higher level characters. And it made a host of other changes that were meant to reunite the player base and make the game more interesting, shall we say. Then, in 2016, a new show on Twitch began to stream weekly called Critical Role. This show featured professional voice actors such as Matthew Mercer, Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey, Sam Regal, and others playing D&D. Because the players were character voice actors, they were especially good at role-playing, and many Twitch viewers found this show to be extremely entertaining, myself included. Many viewers of Critical Role had never played Dungeons & Dragons before, and did not even know how it was played. Seeing others playing it for the first time made them realize how much fun it could be to get their friends in a face-to-face -face setting as opposed to just sitting behind a computer screen. Since the release of 5th edition and Critical Role, sales of D&D rulebooks have been growing by double digits each year, according to CNBC. The game is experiencing an absolutely unprecedented comeback. So now that we've covered the entire history of Dungeons & Dragons, I think we can finally start discussing how to actually play the game. So now that we've basically covered the game's history in its entirety, let's go over the list of things you'll need to actually get started. The Dungeon Master. Every game needs one, and if you're the one trying to start this campaign, it's probably going to have to be you. But if you know someone that's willing to come up with different scenarios and adventures and knows the rules pretty well, let them do it. The second thing you'll need are some players to play the game with. Now, you really only need one or two players and a DM to actually play Dungeons & Dragons, but I would definitely recommend playing with a group of three to seven players. If you play with just one to two, discussion and collaboration can often become less interesting to take part in, but if you play with more than seven, it can get a little hectic, especially if the DM is new to this or has a very specific idea in mind for what they want to do. However, this is just a suggestion, so if you really want to play with a 50-person group, by all means, go for it. I would say that variety and breaking the rules and guidelines is sort of the spice of D&D. 
If you're just beginning, you can download the basic D&D rules from the Wizards of the Coast website. This provides all four of the classic character classes, such as fighter, rogue, wizard, and cleric. And it also has a list of spells, combat mechanics, and all the other essential rules. You could theoretically play for years with just this basic rule set. If you play through a few adventures and are finding yourself craving more content for these adventures, you can always invest in the core rulebooks, which are the Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guidebook, and the Monster Manual. These books contain the rules for more character classes, including the Druid, Ranger, Barbarian, Bard, Monk, Paladin, Sorcerer, and the Warlock. These books also contain subclasses, spells, backgrounds, feats, and many other things that help flesh out the game and make for more sophisticated characters and encounters. Once you've got a DM, players, and a set of rules, the next step is to find some dice. D&D 5e uses polyhedral dice that allow you to roll random numbers from many different ranges. For example, some actions may require you to roll a four-sided die or a 20-sided one. In the early days of Dungeons & Dragons, there was really no other way to roll these numbers except without a full set of polyhedral dice. Today, there are phone apps that will allow you to perform the exact same function and at no cost. However, most D&D players still use these dice because... Let's face it, just rolling dice is more fun than pushing a button. Okay, you've got your DM, you've got your players, you've got your dice, and you've got your rules. It's time to create your first adventure. If you're the DM, you can think up the entire adventure yourself, or you can use one of the many adventure modules found on the internet. You can either purchase some, or there are some for free. There's a whole homebrew community. You can consult Reddit. There's no shortage of ways to come up with adventures for your players. D&D started off as a miniature war game with unique features, such as a fantasy background, single character play, experience points, experience levels, and of course, dungeons. It later evolved into a form of interactive storytelling between a dungeon master and its players. To play the game, all you need are some players, a DM, some dice, some rules, and no shortage of imagination. My name is Patrick Ferguson. I'll see you guys next time.